This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U Mobile. 5G makes business sense. Good morning, you're listening to The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mukhtar. Last month, Evergreen Max Cash Capital, or EMCC, became only the second pawnbroker to list on Bursa Malaysia's ACE market, debuting at a 33% premium on its IPO price of 24 sen. Lau Kai Lun, Executive Director of EMCC, joins me on the show today to discuss what they plan to do with the 64 million ringgit proceeds of the IPO. Kai Lun, good morning. Welcome to The Breakfast Grill. Yeah, morning, 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 Shazana. Congratulations on your IPO, which actually came a year and a half after another pawnbroker, Papa Jack, went for listing on the ACE market. They debuted 30% higher on their listing price of 30 sen. Did their success influence your decision to go for an IPO? I think they did have an influence on us, but actually, uh, we have actually started, I think, more or less at the same time or so. So actually, uh, they didn't really actually encourage us to go for listing. So it wasn't uh, because they did so well. Oh, they, they did well. We must go now. <laughs> because actually, I think we started at a more, more or less the same time. But then uh, I think because of some complications, so it stretched the uh, IPO uh, preparations a little bit longer. So uh, they started first. Then after that, it, it uh, leads to us became the uh, second one. Okay. These plans were always in the pipeline. Why did you decide to publicly list and why now? Uh, why we decided to go for listing is because this industry, this palm booking industry, it itself is a cash-intensive uh, business. So in order to grow further, we have to rely on uh, public funds also. It gives us a better platform to actually go and raise uh, funds to grow the business. Lah. So in the event that, let's say, you are listed, right, on the big ACE markets or the main markets, right, then it opens up more opportunities. So let's say we were to uh, talk to the banks, talk to to the uh, financial institutions. So with a listed call, as compared to a non-listed call, a listed call will be more trustworthy, more credible. So there are more information, more available to them. So they understand your business more. So they will be able to be more willing lah, to actually lend you more in order for you to grow the business. Correct? We'll get a little bit more into the financing in just a bit, but I would like to take a broad look at the landscape of the pawnbroking industry. Yeah, It's heavily regulated. It's governed by the Pawnbrokers Act 1972. It's over seen by the Ministry of Local Government Development, or KPKT. So there are several barriers to entry to become a pawnbroker. And yet the industry has actually expanded quite a lot over the past five years. In uh, 2017, there were 500 licensed pawnbrokers. As of September 2022, I understand that there are 782. That's a 50% uh, growth rate. Why is there so much interest to go into this business? Uh, I believe that back then, maybe uh, maybe like uh, decades ago, so I think it's more of a closed-door industries. So typically, pawnbrokers are run by families. Uh, so outsiders, they have no much information about these industries. But I think as the markets get more transparent, so as people get more interest on this uh, business, people start to look at it. Eh, this is a doable business. Then uh, people start to venture into it. I believe at the same time, the ministry is more open up for more competitions. So let's say in home, 
Google Malaysia, let's say there's only like 500 pawn brokers. So the ministry thinks that, eh, we should actually allow more competitions. So actually when there's more competitions, it actually benefits the customers also. Mm. Customers got more options. Then in order to compete against each other, pawn brokers will actually offer better services. So in, in all these aspects, right, actually at the end of days, right, the ones that benefit the most will be the customers. In terms of, let's say, government perspective, so I give up more licenses, then there'll be more, uh, let's say, licenses and revenues for them. Okay. So it's a form of actually income for the government. Okay. But on another perspective is that they actually open up the market also. Can I know if this industry is open to foreign players or is it currently entirely a domestic landscape? Uh, currently, it's on a domestic landscape. So I think so long you are able to fulfill the requirements that the ministry, uh, let's say, uh, lists down, so they will be able to grant you lah, so long you're interested in this industry. But of course, the, the barrier to entry, the main thing is for your cash capital to be ready there. So if you don't have enough cash capital, you will not be able to run the business well. Lah. Mm. So there's one barrier to entry. But there are no foreign players in pawnbroking in Malaysia Actually, right there now. is. There is. There is start to have uh, actually Singapore. Singapore, there are three listed uh, pawnbrokers already. So they start to venture into uh, expand. So they have expanded quite heavily in their own uh, Singapore island. Then after that, uh, I think last maybe decades, they start to go into JB and they start to came, come into KL already slowly. Uh, but okay. they, surely they are expanding. La. You know, there is the perception that pawnbrokers make money when the economy is bad because when people are going through hardship, you know, that's when they need cash in a hurry, then they turn to pawnbroking. Is that a fair perception? Uh, I don't, personal perspective, I don't think that's a fair perception. That is the general consensus that actually when you do not have money, you will go to the pawnbroker and uh, try to lend some money, try to borrow some money from the pawnbroker. But in my perspective, the people that came to us, right, so be it is in good time or bad time, right, so let's say it's in good time. So let's say you see that there's some opportunities. There are some opportunities for you to seize, right? So you actually will go to pawnbroker, bro- pawn try to borrow money. So let's say you want to open up, uh, let's say a store. So it could be in the minute, let's say it could be in thousand or over ten thousands. So you can come to pawnbroker. Pawnbroker can lend you money instantaneously, mm. so long you have the pledge items. So be it in good time or bad time, right? In good time, there are opportunities. In bad time, you will need some financials. You will need some uh, cash to actually tie over. So during, despite in good time or bad time, right, I believe that there are also opportunities for the pawnbrokers. Talk to me a little bit about the demographic of your customers. You know, who are your main clientele in terms of background, age and occupation? So in terms of our clientele, right, so uh, split it into, let's say, local and foreigners. So foreigners-wise, we have 30% foreigners. Then in terms of uh, locals, we have 80% locals. So that's the average statistics. Then in terms of locals, uh, general Really, the uh, the customers that come through come to us, right, will be the uh, the boomies based on the populations. Population-wise, they will have around, let's say, 70-80% of the Malaysian populations. So that speaks for the numbers or so. But of course, in terms of the uh, collaterals that we accept, right, so 99% that the things that we accept, right, actually are gold jewelries. So the ones that actually owns more of the gold jewelries are actually uh, turns out to be the uh, boomies or so. Mm-hmm. So the Indians who have the gold jewelries or so are uh, quite, quite substantial despite their uh, lower populations in Malaysia. 
But for Chinese wines, Chinese will have start to have lesser and lesser gold jewelries lah, because they have other uh, other preference. Let's say mm. they will prefer branded stuff, they will have branded cars. Yeah, so less of gold jewelries. So we see. see that less of Chinese going to pawn shop because they have less of these collaterals. Mm. And what are the common reasons that customers turn to you? I mean, what, what typically drives people to come to your pawn shops? So the reason why they come to our pawn shop is that they can actually get, let's say, they can actually pledge an item straight away, something that they wear, let's say gold jewellery, something that they can turn into cash quite fast. So a transaction can happen as fast as, let's say, 15 minutes. So if you were to actually go to a conventional, let's say, a bank, conventional institute, right, like a bank, so maybe your, let's say, you ask for a personal loan, maybe as fast, they can do it in, let's say, a five days to a week time. Mm. Maybe that's the fastest that the bank can go for. But in terms of pawn brokers, right, 15 minutes to half an hour, you'll be able to get your cash almost instantaneously. What is your due diligence process like? Because pawnbroking does have a bit of a shady reputation. It's susceptible to being exploited by criminal elements. I mean, what is, how do you safeguard against this? Do you have to make sure that the collateral item is owned by the pawnee, for example? Correct. So in EMCC, right, so actually compliance is one of the uh, things that we actually take care the most. So when customer comes to us, right, the first thing that we check, right, we don't actually check on their collateral first. We check on their identity. So we need to do KYC. So the customer has to present their identification card or passport. So actually, we will run the identity against our lease. So our lease is obtained from, let's say, uh, Bank Negara or UNSCR, MOHA or actually uh, FATF. So these are all uh, big entities, right, that produces the sanction list. So these sanction list, right, actually is uh, meant to combat against uh, anti-money laundering and also anti-terrorist financing. Mm. So we are not supposed to lend to these people uh, because of all these uh, money laundering issues and terrorist financing issues. So first thing we need to do is to KYC their identity, make sure that they are okay, they are clean. So even if there's a name match, right, so we have to be extra careful. We will not be able to tran- proceed with any transaction, even if there's a name match, solely based on a name match. Then only we proceed further to check on whether his nationality match, his, uh, let's say there's an information on his identifications uh, number. So if those match, those those information match, right? So we actually will need to file a reports to Bank Negara or the police stations uh, in order to prevent these uh, transactions to happen. I see. So there is a sense of deterrence of people who perhaps are not entirely legit. They know that if they were to come to a pawn shop and their name comes up in Correct. the list, uh, that could get them alerted to the authorities. Yeah, but currently in the uh, markets, right, uh, we don't see so much compliances happening in other pawnbrokers. So, but then because of these uh, acts has been around, but maybe the enforcement is not strong enough. So pawnbrokers do not practice this as much. Mm. But towards compliance is the main thing. So if you were to have to actually finance a terrorist guy or finance a person that actually engages in a, and like money laundering, right? That will actually create a huge problem after that. Lah. So that's something that we try to prevent at the initial stage. How common is it though for you to find yourself in that kind of scenario? Uh... If it happened to be in that scenario, so we will definitely not proceed the transactions. So we will inform by, let's say, inform to the management level. So management level, you actually will look at the file. Mm. So if that's something that something, uh, let's say, is a really uh, prominent person that's in the sanction list, right? Mm. So we will definitely go to file for reports really. Does yeah. it happen often though? Like in the year, do you see those kinds of cases come up? We don't see as many, maybe but it has one, one, or, one or two. But most of the times, right, they are all uh 
false uh, false alarm lah. Mm. So it could be name match, but when we check, eh, this person when it came, when the person come right, so it come from Malaysia, mm. but the sanction list could be from Indonesia. So identity may not match, but the name match lah. I but see. From there, we actually will stop the transaction already. I'm speaking to Lau Kai Lun, Executive Director of Ace-listed pawnbroker Evergreen Max Cash Capital. When we come back, we'll delve more into their expansion plans. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. Thanks for staying tuned to The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mokhtar and with me today is Lau Kai Lun, Executive Director of EMCC, that's the Evergreen Max Cash Capital, a pawnbroker listed on the ACE market. Uh, Kai Lun, I would like to explore your business segment a little bit more. So EMCC, you're not just in the business of pawnbroking, you are also in the gold and luxury goods retail trading as well as in pawnbroking consultancy and IT services. Gold and retail trading accounts for 56% of your revenues, the, the big bulk, but it contributes only 6% of gross profit. So why are the costs so high for gold trading and retail? Uh, in terms of gold trading, right? Actually, we actually uh, we are doing most of the retailing, right, and gold trading, right, on uh, these uh, pre-owned goods, pre pre-owned goals. So pre-owned goals, right? So actually, we it's a it's a cash recovery process for us. So actually, when we lend out money, so and when we procure back from customers, right, who do not want to uh, redeem, so we procure them back in the auctions, in the public auctions. So actually, the price are quite substantially high already because we have to attribute the uh, interest back to the pawnbrokers so when we dispose of it's just a form of cash recovery so the uh, margins there will not be as high does the bulk of your um, gold business come from these non-redeemed items is that where most of your source of gold comes from Yes, correct. So because in, in our statistics, right, so there's about 10% of customers actually uh, defaulted on their loans. So by the by the means of default, right, so which means they do not come back to redeem off their items. So what we need to do, right, so we need to conduct actually a public auctions for these unredeemed items. So for these unredeemed items, we actually will participate uh, in the auctions. Then we actually will like, bid and procure back all these uh, unredeemed items. Uh. Mm. So that actually form a big source of where our actually... Uh, our pre-owned goal come from. You also run a consultancy and IT services for third-party brokers that are not in direct competition with your pawn shops. Who do you not see as your direct competition, I suppose? Actually, we provide this uh, pawn booking uh, this uh, consultancy business, right, to Islamic pawn shops. So actually, uh, in in our markets, right, there are two different type of player. So one is the Islamic pawn shop, one is the conventional pawn shops. So when we actually look at uh, when you look at this uh, pawn booking, right, typically we only look at one side, lah, on the conventional pawn shops. So whereas for Islamic side, right, so we 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 we, we have the expertise, so we can provide all this expertise to uh, Islamic pawn shop. So why they are a little bit different compared to us, right, is that uh, in terms of Islamic uh, pawnbrokers, right, they are not as competitive. So in terms of the, uh, but then they are able to provide uh, Shara loans uh, to mm. customers who actually prefer Shara loans. Mm. So that's something that conventional pawn shops cannot do. So by all means, our 
bags are explicitly said that our collections are all called interest. So when it's something called interest, right, it will not be Shara compliant already. So in the markets, right, there are of course customers who actually prefer uh, Shara products. So in that case, these customers who actually prefer Shara products, right, would never be our customers. So in that perspective, right, we are able to actually provide this uh, consultancy to this uh, Islamic pawn shop or which they are not in direct competition with us. That's assuming that the customers you already have won't suddenly pivot to Sharia uh, or Islamic uh, pawnbroking. Is that not a concern? Not really, because uh, let's say at the end of the day, right? So let's say even with banks, right? So there are banks with uh, conventional, there are banks with uh, Islamic side. So there's no, uh, to us, it's not a concern yet because in terms of uh, Islamic pawn shop, right? Uh, they might not be uh, be able to provide such a high financing compared to the uh, conventional side. Mm. So in terms of the interest, so the interest actually is a little bit lower as compared to the uh, conventional. But that's how, in terms of how you actually uh, see it. Because the, the way that they charge, right, is a little bit different as compared to the conventional. So actually they charge 1% on the collateral value as compared to the conventional where we charge uh, at a maximum 2% uh, on the loan amount. So there's a little bit of difference. So when, if the Islamic pawn shop were to give up somewhere lower in terms of financing amount, right, the effective rate of the uh, interest will be actually quite high. I see. So in that sense, you're very clear about uh, the framework that you operate in and what you offer to customers. Um, can I ask about your pawn shops? You have 22 Pajak King shops in Kuala Lumpur, Selangor, Negeri and Pahang. And you're planning to use 20 million ringgit of your IPO proceeds to open five more stores. Where are you looking to expand and how are you going to determine the location? So actually, we are actually looking in terms of uh, these four states also. Because these four states right, actually contributed almost close to half of the uh, loan amount in whole Malaysia. So these are all concentrated areas where we, we should focus on. So these are the places that uh, is nearby Klang Valley, like we we'll say. So in terms of control, so in terms of the things that, let's say, we have to do audits. So in terms of distance rise, right, we will be able to actually control better. Mm. So in terms of uh, manpower allocations, let's say there's uh, like, uh, our staff on leave, right? So it's easier for us to allocate manpower also. So the typically, the places that we look at, right, are still in Klang Valley, the places with where more populations uh, reside in. That's one. Then secondly, we look at the uh, business, the busy business districts uh, mm. of each community. So, Are you limited to, I suppose, um, shop lots? Can you open in malls? I guess, are there certain regulations <laughs> on that? Uh, actually, uh, why you see in Malaysia, la, why you see most of the pawn shops are open in uh, actually shop lots, right? So first thing is because of how the sh- pawn shops are structured. So when they uh, let's say we have to build a strong room inside the pawn shops. So showroom itself, right, they are all like cements, uh, steel bars. Then we have to put in safe strong room doors, right? So the loading is very, very heavy. So it goes to over tons of uh, weights itself. So if you were to place in, let's say, uh, sh- shopping malls, right, the shopping malls or uh, uh, infrastructures might not be able to sustain that kind of uh, heavy loads. Mm. Then secondly is that uh, for pawnbrokers, right, we are governed by the law. So actually we can only operate from 8 o'clock until 6 o'clock. I see. Yeah, so if you put it in the mall, right, uh, the mall, what the mall does is that they will actually prefer the shop to open, let's say, from 10 o'clock to 10 o'clock. So they do not like to see a shop being, you know, closed down with the, uh, you know, with the barrier coming down and it's, okay, we are closed for the day. Mm. Yeah, so let's say we have to stop at 6 o'clock. So the mall will have four hours of, you know, barriers down. Right. Yeah, that will lead to actually not nice looking like, for the malls. So that's why, one of the reasons why you don't see pawn shops 
shops in malls. I see. Mm. So looking then at your market share, you have a total market share of about 3.3% at the moment. I think you have plans to grow it to 10%. If yeah. I'm not mistaken, there is considerable competition, as we've been talking about, uh, both from local and foreign players. I mean, why would consumers opt for EMCC, given all these choices available? What are you going to do to actually grow that market share? So in terms to grow market share, right? So uh, actually, pawn shops itself, right, actually is a community-based business. Lah. So actually, you serve the community around this particular area. So if you look back to in terms of our milestones, right, so actually, we actually stopped opening stores since 2019. Lah. 2019 is the year actually we last opened our store. So it's been actually four years already. So the reason why actually we stopped opening stores, right? Because we actually we are constrained by our the amount of cash capital that we have. Lah. So we have to balance in terms of opening stores and also in terms of uh, the cash capital that we have, right? To actually loan out to customers. So we have to strike a balance there. So we put a stop at back then in 2019. So right now, after IPO, so now that we have more proceeds, right? We'll be able to lend out more to customers. Then also we have more proceeds to actually to open up new stores. So actually we will target to open in new community areas whereby we will be able to serve a new community with a new group of new customers. Mm. So how do you actually uh, out-compete in terms of amongst all the uh, players in the markets? So in my perspective, um, actually it works like a, how pawn shop I see is that it works like a bank. So you can choose among the banks which bank that you actually prefer to go to. So actually banks, so by all means, right, bank actually give up similar services. So why you actually prefer that actually that particular banks, right? So actually it comes in to the boys down uh, into the uh, personalized service that you are able to provide to customers. So if you are able to give up very good customer service, so that's something that's something that actually we actually try to drill into our our staff lah. Mm. If you give up good customers, the customer will like you. So in the future, the customer actually will come back to look for you more and more. I see. Yeah, okay. So, so that's something that actually we 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 try to work out on lah to improve and continue to improve lah. I have to say it is um, it is validated by at least the Google reviews that I see for your stores. I yep. think if you look up Pajaking, a lot of them have pretty high <laughs> reviews uh, by a considerable number of uh, reviewers as well. I want to maybe end the conversation looking ahead a little bit uh, and talking about the loans that you've taken out. So earlier you did mention that you had to stop expanding back in 2019 because okay. of difficulties in securing um, loans or, or funding, right? Uh, you actually uh, have a five million US dollar unsecured loan with uh, Risa Partners, I believe. That was uh, confirmed back in 2022. Why did you opt for a foreign currency denominated loan with them? Uh, actually, back then when we actually were looking for fundings, right? So, uh, in terms of locals, uh, locals banks they are they are not very um, not say not very supportive. They are supportive, but uh, some of the banks they are not very familiar with this business. So, when they are not very familiar with this business, right? The banks, especially the banks, right? They are not familiar, so they will take some time to understand your business, and sometimes they will actually try it out maybe on a small miniature uh, lower loan amount. So that that is not enough for us actually to actually continue to expand and continue to have enough cash capital. Mm. So actually, when the opportunity arises, especially when we start to consolidate our our companies together into a group, because we actually back then actually really started to prepare for IPOs already. So when we consolidate together, when we have the numbers, right? So actually, that actually uh, give us 
an opportunity lah to actually uh, meet up with Risa partners. So the loans that they, they provide to us actually is on unsecured basis. So that's one good thing for us. We don't need to actually uh, uh, give them collaterals in returns. So that's one. Then uh, in terms of the financing rate, the financing rate they are, that Risa partners gave us right actually is uh, even better than what the local banks can actually offer to us. Lah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so all things are good in terms of repayments. So repayments are the interest payments are on the yearly basis. So as compared to local banks, the local banks charge on the monthly basis. Lah. So on the monthly basis, you have to pay back to the banks. Okay. So, the, so all things good, except that uh, the only thing that, that is not so well, not in favour would be uh, it is denominated in USD. Lah. That's right. Uh, and given the currency exchange at the Correct. moment, <laughs> you're yeah. in a little bit of the back foot. Not only that, I think part of the loan agreement is that you will have to achieve specific profit after tax targets uh, for the financial year 2022 to 2026. I think you did manage to hit it for 2022. You uh, made at least 13.5 million ringgit. Uh, your PAT came in at 20 million ringgit. But why are you so confident that you're going to be able to sustain this level of profits for the next three years? It sounds like a, it's a pretty uh, big promise. <laughs> uh, actually, I uh why we are able to sustain right uh, in for the target uh, profit target is that actually based on our loan books so if you compare our loan books right year to year it's on the uh, increasing amount so as mentioned previously right all the costs are relatively constant so actually it will help to improve our bottom line over time sir. so assuming that we do not have something extraordinary there's no extraordinary cost that we have to cover right mm-hmm. so the bottom line will always improve la, okay so you you're betting on the fact that things are going to get better. What are the headwinds that could derail this? Uh, something that, uh, let's see. US, let's say USD were to go to one to five, that would actually affect our cost in terms of financing costs because actually we have to pay interest in uh, USD back to Risa partners. Then that's one. Then in terms of uh, profit targets, it's in USD also. So if you go higher, we have to do more. Lah. I see. Okay, so not uh, not exactly smooth sailing, uh, but Correct. you're confident that you can achieve this. Yes. Kailu, thank you so much. It's been a fascinating conversation. Uh, I appreciate you joining me on the show today. Thank you so much. I've been speaking to Lau Kailun, Executive Director of Evergreen Max Cash Capital. This has been The Breakfast Grill on BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.